We have a, we have a, a reciting our word for uh, usher culture here. It's called um, greet, seat, and rub feet. That'll wake you up. Yeah, just broke my whole script. Greet, seat, and rub feet. So, hey, welcome to Highlight Church. It's so good to see you. And then we, we seat you. So the goal is to fill the front because they say that if you don't fill the front, it's a momentum killer. So whenever Satan wants to tear down a church, he makes the front row empty. So as the shepherd of this house, I can't stand by and allow that to happen. So we're going to fill the front row, right? Don't you feel you feel that emptiness when the front row isn't, isn't packed? But when it's packed, it's like, man, people are excited to be here. They're thankful for Jesus. They're grateful for salvation and deliverance. And come on now. So I can't allow the enemy to have his way in God's house as the under shepherd. And then rub feet, rub feet. <laughs> I don't know if an usher has rubbed your feet yet, but if they haven't, they're not doing their jobs. They should be, they should be all on some feet, all on some feet. Let me see your foot, Francie. <laughs> Take your shoe off. They, you know, uh, usher should be walking you to your seats, not just allowing you to sit down wherever. You know, there's what you call the law of entropy. And if you're not, you know, in life, take your shoe off. No, no, take it off. Care about no odor. Fill the front. Take the socks off. You shouldn't have said nothing. Take the sock off. My man. I do it because I love him. But there's the law of entropy that if you, don't, if you don't force things to come in order, they'll just be in utter chaos. And uh, I just think, like, we, we give God a bad rep when we just come in and we treat the house of God like whatever. Um, but Jesus, so you know the miracle of most of you. If you're not church, if you've never read this, don't feel any kind of way about, oh, I don't know that story, so I'm just going to check out. Just lean in. There's a story of, um, you know, these crowds of people were following Christ, about 20,000 people. They were following Jesus. He was teaching. He was doing a lot of miracles. And they were going on with him for a very long time. And uh, the disciples came to him. His team came to him and said, Lord, you ought to send these people away um, because, you know, to get food, because if you don't, when you do send them away, and if they're hungry, they're going to faint. They're going to pass out. They're going to die. And I love Jesus. He said, you feed them. He told 12 of his men to feed 20,000 people. And so here they come again with complaints saying, well, even if we work for an entire year, we couldn't feed all these people. Instead of offering a solution, they offered the Lord a complaint. And, um, he said, well, you know, so I believe that Peter beat this little boy up and he stole some fish and some, some bread. <laughs> They're like, here you go, we got fish and bread. And so uh, Jesus, before he did the miracle, he set them down. He said, take them in, in certain groups in order, sit them down, because God flows through order. God flows through order. Right. He, he flows through A, B, C, X, Y, Z. 
That's how God moves. God doesn't move, well, we're going to start at C, and we're going to jump to G, and then we're going to jump to Y, and then jump back to A. No, it's, it's I need you to fill the front because I'm, I'm going to do something. It shows me that you're expectant, that you have faith. I need you to wake up, take out a pen, a pad, lean in. I'm ready to receive the word of God. And so that measure there of rub your feet is it's just simply it's a comfort measure. Like, how do you feel now being in that front row? You feel closer, more intimate. You don't feel vulnerable, right? Like, you know, even, like, I, I get it. Like, even if you go to a new place, you don't want to be the only one. Just like, hello. I feel weird, but I won't sit next to you. Can you please sit next to me, right? So with that, you know, we rub feet. Give me those feet, Francie. Rub feet is a comfort measure, and it's just simply saying, you know, we're going to, um, we're going to, we're going to make you feel comfortable, right? Jesus washed feet, right? So essentially, when you serve the Lord and when you serve the church, your call is to make the guests feel comfortable. Does that feel good? Don't lie about it. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't no funny stuff. It feel good. Yeah, yeah. Amen. 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 So, right, didn't Jesus make people feel comfortable? I think we read a verse last week. It said he healed them all. He lived with open arms. So I'm praying that you guys would begin to pray and become superheroes so that we can create a great place for the spirit of God to move and that by October, Super Steps would be packed out because you're ready to serve the Lord. You're ready to make people feel comfortable. You're ready to grow in your faith. Is that good? That's good. I'm kind of enjoying this. <laughs> Give it up for Francie, y'all. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all okay? Come on, let's get to work. Let's get to work. All right, so I think that's my starting analogy. We're just going to jump straight into the story. So let's do this. Uh, join me in Matthew. I got a message for you called Always in Reach. Always in Reach. Your Jesus is always in reach. The premise of this series is that if we're not careful as the church of Jesus, as believers, we can, we can come to think that Jesus just belongs in the four walls of the church. But he is also those who are, who are outside of the church. He belongs to them as well. Um, your crazy uncle, he is his Jesus. See y'all laughing, I struck a chord. Um, your crazy cousin who, who will never ever set foot in a church, he belongs to that cousin. The person who doesn't believe in him, he came for them. He loves them, he's all for them. And he's always in reach. I love it. Whenever my kids need something, um, I'm always in reach. They can, they can FaceTime me if I'm away. They can Google Hangout. They can text. They can call. If we're in another state and something ever happens, we're on the first plane back. We're always in reach. And, and I feel that way about Christ. I feel that, that Christ is always in reach. He's always near to the brokenhearted. He's always near even to those who don't trust him or who don't know him. He came for them. And uh, the Bible is replete with this fact, if you go throughout the Gospels, the word gospel means good news. There are four accounts in your Bible of the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of people will ask, where should I start when it's time to read the Bible? We always encourage you to start with one of the four Gospels. 
learn about Jesus. If you've given your soul to someone, you ought to get to know him. I don't think you ought to give your soul to someone that you don't know. And, um, but it, it's replete with the fact that uh, Jesus, Jesus is always in reach. Jesus went to Peter's house to heal his mother-in-law. We know if you marry, that relationship can be interesting. I love my mother-in-law. She's in the front row. Let's give the Lord glory. I love her. She is hands down the best. She uh, brought her daughter into the world, and uh, we're grateful for her as well, Pastor Kyra. But no, Mama is amazing. She's a blessing to our hearts. Um, So Jesus went to Peter's house to heal his mother-in-law of a fever. Right, a fever? Just give her some Tylenol. We don't need Jesus to come. No, he, he cares. He cares. He cares. Jesus went to Lazarus' dead body after he had been dead for four days. He was in reach. Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. Jesus met the woman in adultery. He, he, the Bible says in John 8 that he actually knelt down to be with the woman in adultery. That was not commonplace for a rabbi in that time. But he met her right where, where she was. Chances are it wasn't her first time doing this act, but it didn't keep Jesus away from her. And so let's join me here in Matthew 8. He's always in reach. I think this story is going to illustrate this perfectly, this idea that Jesus is right there. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, verse 5, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Now, this Roman officer is a centurion. That means that he is over 100 soldiers. He, he has to command the authority of being over 100 soldiers. He came and pleaded with him, so he's crying. He's coming to Jesus with his brokenness, his need, his, his, his desire for help from the presence of God. Verse 6 says, The Lord, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Watch this, verse 7. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. I'll come and heal him. Now, you got to imagine, this is Jesus. He's always busy. (laughs) He's always busy healing someone or teaching or doing something. But this guy comes in with his need, and Jesus immediately stops, and he says, I will come and heal him. I'm always in reach. Verse 8, but the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. This was customary because in this time, it was against Jewish custom for a Jew to enter into a Gentile's house. It was against Jewish custom. Francie, remove that shoe. Did he suck his teeth? (laughs) Oh, he didn't? Okay. I know that's not. I I got you, baby. I got you. I know I can do yours. That befalls the illustration. It was against Jewish custom for a Jew to enter a Gentile's home. Would you say, Rashawn, <laughs> that it is against a man's custom to rub another man's feet? <laughs> See? But he, he, was more, he was willing to. So though it was against Jewish custom, it wasn't against God's custom. And I think that's where we got Jesus all wrong, and even church, for that matter. It's just become so religious, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, we're going to do this, we're going to tear down. And we don't allow the Spirit of God to, to be God. 
it wasn't against God's custom to go to this Gentile's home to heal him, to stop what he was doing, and to go see about this man. It wasn't against God's custom. So I love the, the character of Jesus, who, mind you, is God. So a lot of people will say, what, what is God like? Who is God? What does God look like? Let me give you this pro tip. Go ahead and write this down. Whenever you are reading Jesus in the Bible, you see the character of God. Jesus is God incarnate. The Bible says that all of the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus Christ. So whenever you see Jesus, you see the character and the heart of God. All right. And so with that, he says this here. But the officer said, verse eight, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I love that. He said, just just send the word. Just say the word from where you are and he'll be healed. Just say the word and he'll be healed. You don't even have to come. Just say the word. I, I battled with if I was going to share this or not because I'm, I'm really eating up my time, but I just think it's powerful. In this time, there was Greek understanding, and the word word was actually transferred as logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos, and it was believed that the, the word was the reason behind the existence of everything. So the philosophy or the understanding of the power of Logos was that everything existed or was sustained through the word. Um, John 1, we don't have the verse. I wiped it out. John 1, John is a disciple. He's one of the gospels, says in the beginning was the word and the word was God. And, and he created everything through the word. And then it goes down to John 1, verse 14, and it says, and the word became human. So, so this Roman officer, he's, pretty, he's seen Jesus around, around town. He's thrown away all of his gods, all of his idol gods, all of these multi-gods, these small gods. And he's come to identify that that guy is God. So he doesn't even have to come to my home. He just needs to direct his word in the direction of my servant. And as long as he directs his word, my servant will be healed. Come on now. As long as Jesus directs his word, my servant will be, will be healed. So that's, I'll, I'll get into that point later. Verse 9. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over all my soldiers. This guy recognized that Jesus had supreme authority over sickness, over illness, over death, over demons, over all of it. And he says, I only need to say go and they go, come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. The Greek word here is his mouth dropped. No one had ever dropped the mouth of Jesus. He was amazed. And it says this here, turning to those who were following him, he says, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and feast in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the end time. He says, but many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying just because you're an Israelite does not guarantee entrance into heaven. He's saying there's one way to the Father, and that's faith through me. 
So people who aren't even Jewish will come to know who I am, and they're going to be in heaven with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob eating and feasting. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Jesus is always in reach. Point number one is this. I want to encourage you with this idea. Number one is Jesus is always willing. He's always willing. I'm a history buff, and I just I can't get away from it. I've shared it here a couple times. So I just love the story of Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a combat medic in World War II. He was a devout Christian, a devout believer, so much so that he didn't believe in using his weapon. And so uh, Desmond was ostracized. He was beaten. He was even taken to court by the United States government, the, the United States Army, to get him out of, of the army so he wouldn't be able to go to war. But by God's sovereignty and his grace, he gained entrance into the military, and he was sent off to war. In May of 1945, Japanese troops attack uh, the United States while they were defending Okinawa and Hexall Ridge. You ought to see the movie. It's an amazing movie played by the old Spider-Man, not this, this new kid. He's awesome, but I like, I like the guy before him. Um, they're all awesome, but the guy before him was great. Um, my wife had a crush on him. I felt some kind of way. Um, I was salty. But it's a good salt. Jesus said we should be the salt, so I was, I was salty, but I was, it was good. I was peaceful. Salty. There's a way to be salty but peaceful, right? Okay, anyway. And so the U.S. ordered for the troops to retreat, but per usual, Desmond disobeys the orders. I mean, bullets are flying, grenades, people blown up over here, blood everywhere, screams. He has no weapon, but he goes right into the middle of the darkness, right into the middle of the blood and, and the loud noises and the horror, and he begins to pull soldiers out. And not only that, they were on a cliff, so he had to create a, a harness to get them down. All the while, the bullets are flying. And, and so he's pulling people out, and he's harnessing them down. And he's uh, hours and hours, and he finally gets hit, and he lays down. And, and there's this, this temptation to quit saving lives. There's this temptation to quit serving. But even while he's down and wounded, he begins to pray, Lord, please give me one more. Please give me one more. Please give me one more. And he gets up, and, and history records that he saved 75 soldiers, five of which were Japanese. The enemy came. And it's just such a beautiful picture of our Lord. How, 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 how he can be, he can, okay, you get a healing, you get a blessing. You, okay, I just paid that bill, or I just healed that cancer. I just did this. I just did this. How can I help you? Okay, I'll, I'll be there. I'm coming right now. Okay, you do this. You do this. You do this. Okay, you heal. You heal. You heal. You heal. Okay, I'm here. It's just a beautiful picture of our Savior being always willing. Jesus is never too busy. Jesus is never too annoyed. Jesus is never too down. Jesus is never too tired. We serve a God who doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber. He's always there for your needs. In Hebrews 4.16, the message says this, So let's walk right up to him 
and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Some of you have needs right now. And, and, and we're going to man. We ought, we, we ought to and we should. We're going to our pastors and, and that's fine. But I, I'm a pastor. We can only do so much. We're going to our parents, our spouses, but really, God, only Jesus can, can fulfill that, that deep need. Only he can fulfill that deep void. He says, come to me, take the mercy, accept the help. You'll never find Jesus unwilling to come through for you. Nowhere in the Gospels did Jesus ever say, hey, I can't come. I'm too busy. I, I, you're distracting me. Oh, no, that's on my schedule. He is always willing. He's always willing. Second point of encouragement is this, is that one word from Jesus can change your entire life. If you would couple it with faith. I I, I think it's great to come to church. I'm all for it, obviously. But, man, just just one word can change your life. We don't always need, you know, because some of us are going to listen to this sermon, then we're going to pop something in YouTube tomorrow. We're going to listen to this pastor and this pastor and this pastor and this pastor. And God was like, I'm trying to give you one word. And if you just couple it with your faith, everything would change. So the the Roman officer said, all you got to do is send the word and he'll be healed. One word, one word. I love it. In the Old Testament, the children of Israel, they were moving out of Egyptian slavery. They were moving through the wilderness towards the promised land. You got to check that language because God had already promised it. They were moving through the wilderness and and God was God was creating leadership, spiritual leadership. He put priests in place. And so this is what God said through Moses to Aaron, who was the head of all the priests in number six, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, watch this. Tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Check out the next three words. Say to them. This is how you are to bless. Say to them. He said this, say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites. Watch this. When you say to them, I will bless them. So, so if you speak it, I'm going to move. So the, the Roman officer was saying, Jesus, if you say it because you are our high priest, the Bible says, Jesus is our high priest who stands in the gap between us and God, interceding, the Bible says, every single day for every person's life in this room. He's right now in heaven talking to the Father about you, praying for the perfect will of God to be done in your life. He is our high priest. So the officer was able to tap into something. I don't know what it was. It was supernatural. But he said, Jesus, if you say it, God will do it. And I'm here to tell you that God has declared a word over you. Jesus has spoken. John 10, 10, I have come that you would have life and life to the full. That is a word that Jesus has promised. That is a word that he has spoken. That is a word that he has declared. Life to the full. To the full. I remember about eight years ago. Um, my oldest son, he was, and I, I, was at, I was at the house. I was hanging out. It was super late, like 11. I was way past uh, accountable curfew for an up-and-coming pastor. Ogechi, 
cracking up. You, 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 you call that accountable curfew. I should have been out, out of there. When things get late, it gets funny. So anyway, so um, G- Jay was asleep, and um, my sister-in-law, uh, Pastor Kyra's sister, heard something. So she went in, and she checked on him, and um, he was you know, having seizure-like activity going on. And so she, she rushed him over into the room to you, PK, and he was, in fact, having a seizure. And so we, we took him to the doctor, and uh, we took him to the hospital, and he had a 48-hour EEG so that they could track the, the, his brain and, and look at all the activity. And it was revealed that he was having grand mal seizures, and they diagnosed him with epilepsy, not knowing if he would ever grow out of it. So this was December when he had had the, the, the test, the diagnosis. Every January, since we've known each other, we go on a 21-day prayer, fa- prayer and fasting in January, New Year. Okay, so we're going to throw a fast on this thing. And we had a lot of things on our prayer list, but what was at the top was God heal Jaziel. And so every day for 21 days, we went into his room at nighttime while he was asleep, and we just laid a hand on his head. And we just asked God, we said, God, smile on him. Be gracious unto him. Heal his body. Jesus, you promised life and life more abundantly. You promised long life. You promised grandkids. You promised prosperity. You promised peace. You promised power through your spirit. Lord, do it every single night for 21 days. So we have a follow-up in the middle of January. And then they run some more minor tests. The activity is still there. And then we go back at the end of January when our fast is done, about a week after the fast was finished. And uh, we, we go into the office, and, and uh, there were new reports out of, of his condition. And the doctor, she sat down, and she told us, about two weeks ago, um, he was still having seizures. But um, there's no seizure activity. And we normally don't stop medicine this fast. It's only been like a month. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys to stop the meds. And the only thing I can call it is a miracle. This was very fast. I've never seen anything like this in my, in my career. We can praise God for that. That's... One word. One word. But that one word needs your faith. The officer, his faith was locked in. God doesn't have to tell me every day that this church is going to touch the world. I'm already locked in. It's why I can be here and two people show up. I'm going to still preach like it's 2,000 because he's promised thousands, right? Just one word, one word through faith, and, and, and Jay was healed. One word of healing, one word of deliverance, one word of destiny, one word of purpose, one promise, one word when it's combined with your faith, it's life-changing. Your Jesus speaks life over you. Your Jesus speaks peace over you. Your Jesus speaks abundance 
over you. Your Jesus speaks love and admiration and approval and acceptance over you. No matter what anyone else says, no matter what anyone else thinks, your Jesus is for you. And he's always in reach. Even when he's out of reach, he can send his word. And that means that he's in reach. And if you just believe it, it can change every single thing in your life. If I can be so transparent, I'm in a season right now where I'm hanging on to one word. One word. And when I say one word, I don't mean that literally. I mean a sentence or a promise or something that God has revealed to me in in Scripture. Something. One word. The vision will come to pass. Your people will be blessed. They will grow spiritually. I am with you. I am in Maryland. I am, I am in Generation Z. I am with the millennials. One word, 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 one word. And you got to learn to allow that one word to ruminate, that promise, that, 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 that thing to ruminate in your mind. And I love it. The next point of encouragement is, is this, is that Jesus will always honor your faith in him. Jesus will always honor your faith in him. So I got this, this stack of journals um, at home, and, they, and I won't lie, I won't be all OD on this, you know, I ain't going to lie about it. I have about three. <laughs> I almost said I got about 10, Rashawn. No, I got about three <laughs> composition books that are filled with prayers of the past that God has actually answered. And then over here, I'm working on a, about a new three filled with things that I'm believing God for. What's so interesting is right now is that I'm, I'm in the middle because there are prayers that God has answered. And I'm able to stand right here and look back and see, man, he, he did that. He did that. And knowing that he did this, I can believe that he's going to do this. And, and then to see, Randy, like it actually unfolding is the coolest thing ever. This is why the prophet Habakkuk tells you to write the vision. If God has promised you something, you got to write it down. And the Bible also says that those without vision, they live without constraint. So if you don't have a vision, if you don't have a promise, if you don't have faith for something great, you're just going to kind of live any kind of way. But if God shows you something, write it down, even if it's crazy. Write it down. We got a new series, October 13th, called Ask for the Moon. And I'm going to just pray right now that you begin to open your heart and open your mind and begin to prepare your faith for that series. Ask for the moon. It is going to be a faith builder. But you got to begin to write it. So to see that these have been fulfilled, to be in the middle and to look back and see God's faithfulness, and then to see that these are in progress, because a lot of God's promises and miracles are incremental. I think when we come to Jesus, it's like, man, I'm, I'm serving Jesus, and I've been with the Lord for two months. Where is the miracle? You're building up to it. Chances are he's already done a lot, but he's going to do more. You're building up to it. And some miracles, some breakthroughs, some promises take years to come to pass. And so this officer is here, and he's talking to Jesus in this current place, but he needs to journey back to where his servant is. And we remember back in the text we just read that Jesus said, man, I've not seen a faith like this. Go back. You've received what you believe. He's healed. And the Bible says in the same hour he was healed. What's interesting is, is that if the Roman officer is here with Jesus 
And if the young servant is over here in his bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain and sick, I'm sure it takes time for the officer to get from here to here. But the crazy thing about what happened is, is that when Jesus said he was healed, he was already healed over there. So what the officer asked for was already answered over there. It just took time for the Roman officer to make it to the side and to discover that it was already answered. So Jesus will always honor your faith in him. Part of the thing that was in one of the books was one of the dreams or, or prayers I wrote down was, God, um, save, my, save my father. I, like, change his heart. Like, I know he knows you. But, like, change his heart. And I started that prayer when I was 19, when I first gave my heart to Jesus. I reached, reached my dad. My dad had me when he was 50 years old. As a matter of fact, yesterday, praise the Lord, he turned 82. And so you can clap it up. I know he's not here, but he's, he's an ox. <laughs> um, and so at 19, I started praying, and it's in, in my books. So time had passed. And um, we were getting into moving to Gaithersburg for the church. And, um, you know, on the, on the ride here in 2015 to visit the city where we were going to start the church, I was driving and he looked over at me and he said, son, I'm just, I'm so moved by your faith. I'm so moved by what you're doing. We're going to miss you. And, um, but like I've, I'm seeing God for real, for real move through your life. You got an incredible team of young people moving with you, and what you guys are doing is not easy, and it's scary. But um, he said this. He said, what you guys are doing has caused me to fall more in love with Jesus. And he said, so I think we're in Carolina at this time, heading up. He said, so when we get to the hotel, um, I'm giving my heart to Christ on this trip. And I want you to baptize me in the hotel that we're going to be staying in. And so we, we, we got on up here. And um, I should have prepared the creative team to show the photo. But me and, and Chris, your creative director, we baptized. This joker six foot four. <laughs> and if you saw him for Easter, he wasn't skinny. He was like thick, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, my mom was, you remember that? Like, it was so emotional. We all cried. And we we're like, all right, now, don't leave him down there. Ah. And we baptized them. But I was 28 years old. Over here, I was 19. God had already answered it over here. But the walk was going to be nine years before Jesus actually showed me what he was already processing in my father's heart. But it was faith. James speaks of a faith of endurance. And my, the, the thought I get is, is that it's not that you don't have faith. It's that we lack endurance. I can't prove it. Call me a heretic, whatever. I've been called worse. But listen, I can't prove it. But I, something in me tells me if, if that Roman officer didn't hold on to the faith that, that the, the, the soldier was healed halfway on his journey, he could have, the, 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 the healing could have, could have reversed. But I believe that when, when Jesus said he is healed, I believe that the soldier held on to 
that faith. I believe he held on to that promise. I believe he held on to the word that Jesus gave him. Jesus will always honor your faith in him. The, the Roman officer, go ahead and jot this down, received what he believed. He received what he believed. Many of you are believing for the salvation of your family. Conception of a child. A godly marriage. For that business to break through. If you believe it. You'll receive it. Go to Matthew 8 for me, 10 through 11. Come on up and close me out. Matthew 8, 10 through 11 says this. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Skip down. Oh, verse 11. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the land. Skip down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. I want to give you three takeaways um, before before we get out of here. Go ahead and write these down. So what are some takeaways? Number one, take it to Jesus. Whatever it is, take it to Jesus. Is it family? Is it finance? Is it health? Is it a void in your heart? Take it to Jesus. Number two, hold on to his word. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. When you're reading your scripture, if God says something to you, if he reveals something to you, hold on to his word. If he speaks, hold on to his word. Number three, believe it, then receive it. But don't put a a deadline on it. Believe it, then receive it. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God. Come on, come on, come on. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are always in reach. We thank you that you're faithful. We thank you, Lord, that you're always willing. We thank you for the promises that you've declared and the words that you've spoken over our lives. Since before the foundations of the world, God, you've had a purpose for every person in this room. And God, we thank you that when we have the faith, you seek to honor it and to do miracles. So now, Lord, we're just going to pray. We're going to give our hearts to you. For those of you who don't know Christ and you say, hey, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm coming back to God. We're going to pray this together as a church. Your life is going to be changed forever. This is the greatest decision that you could be making. So church, let's pray this together. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Forgive me my sins. Give me your spirit. I turn from a life of sin. I believe that you want to give me life and life to the full. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. Put your hands together. Hallelujah.